Miss Denise, you did good. Good recruiting. Thank everybody for their help and chipping in with her. Uh, pardon the rolled up sleeves, but I've been working for the Lord all afternoon. So uh, still a working. And I praise him for all his blessings. And uh, whenever I was growing up, I was always a science nerd. I loved Star Trek. And then uh, Star Wars came out. Loved that. There was a show that uh, was back in that day and uh, that was called Lost in Space. There was a robot that would come out on that show and say, Danger, Will Robinson! Danger, Will Robinson! And, uh, and of course, the story goes on and on. Well, tonight I want to speak on the subject of our church is in danger. Our church is in danger. Head to Ephesians 6, uh, 10. Ephesians 6. Oh, no. What are, you, what are you talking about, Brother Michael? Our church is in danger. Well, when, when God is, is in it, it is throughout history. When God is busy, Satan takes notice. When families are together, Satan takes notice. When things are smooth, Satan takes notice. And it says here in the Word of God, in Ephesians 6 and verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word devil in is really is almost like in in Greek is the same way as English. The way you say it uh, in Greek is diabolos, which is almost identical to the way you say it in Spanish. It, the word means liar, slanderer. It means somebody who tears up. He's a slanderer. He wants to give false information. But notice here that Paul, in his description, says that the devil has wiles. Well, <laughs> that is an old English. I love my King James Bible. Old English. I have to look these words up every now and then. What exactly is he trying to say? And all that word is is his his methods. That's all he he's Paul is saying. The wiles of the devil, the methods of the devil, which and if you want to use perfect uh, common sense logic or whatever, the devil has methods. He wants to. Uh, destroy us, tear us up, and it goes all the way to the core. He wants to tear your life apart. Uh, he wants to destroy your form. You know, to me, I've, I've seen, uh, speaking of destroying your form, reason the devil wants to destroy your form is because obviously you were created in his image. There's a big billboard, and you may have seen them too. <clears throat> uh, there was uh, a, a, a picture the other day I saw on a billboard, and it used to be a bunch of these, but they're not as much anymore. Uh, had a lady that said, before meth and after meth. And they, the comparison was unreal. Methamphetamines is still the drug of choice amongst uh, 
Arkansas rednecks. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> it's still the drug of choice amongst rednecks where I grew up in East Texas. It, but you know why? Because it's uh, the formula's out there. It can be made. They've tried to curtail it. But one thing that it does, if it's you get hooked on that, it will destroy. And there's also, I mean, other drugs that'll do the same thing, but that's one of the most common ones. It will destroy your form. And there are kids where they can get hooked on alcohol. They can get hooked on methamphetamines. Uh, there's uh, kids today that are, that are, are into uh, uh, even destroying their form. There's, there's kids that deal with trouble in their life uh, by abusing their own body and so on and so forth, methods like that. But what it is, is Satan wants to destroy our form. He wants to destroy us. This, think about all the methods that the devil uses. If you keep reading in verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is kind of the theme verse of our Wednesday night study. And But against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor, not just one piece, but I mean grab your bulletproof vest, grab your shotgun shells, grab your helmet, grab your uh, uh, everything, grab your holster, uh, grab your magazines, get everything you've got. And that's why it doesn't say just a piece of it. It says the whole armor of God that you may stand in the evil day, having done all to stand. And he goes on and on, stand, stand, stand. And then finally he says all of each piece of this, probably the most important piece I think is the helmet of salvation because that's security, that's your life. And if you don't have, if you're not saved tonight, then you have no life. And the helmet of salvation, that's where you chop off somebody's head, that's their life. It is no more. That, that's protecting your life. And God's the one that puts, puts that on there. And then wrapping this section up, it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto. It means with all perseverance means don't give up. And supplication for the saints. Uh, move on now, and uh, just talking about this theme, the the tonight's message. Our church is in danger. Second Corinthians uh, chapter two. Second Corinthians chapter two. This is some very interesting passage. Our church is in danger. The church at Corinth was in danger. I believe we're going to start with. Uh, Verse 7 it is, uh, Brother Kenneth, so you can just camp out there. Uh, <clears throat> this church, Paul wrote a first letter to them, said, you've got some things wrong in the church. You've got immorality in the church. You've got heresy in the church. You've got people that don't, they're not teaching right doctrine in the church. Paul, that's called 1 Corinthians, by the way. <laughs> He's writing, and they had all sorts of problems, but did you know what? The church was still a church. It still had, and what is the most famous, probably, chapter in 1 Corinthians? A church that had a lot of problems, and it's the love chapter. 
the love chapter. Love is is uh, patient and kind and not boastful and not proud and and it goes on and on. It's not rude. Pate, love is kind and it goes on. That's a great chapter. First Corinthians thirteen. So he has to write a second letter. Now what happened was is they did have a person in the church that needed church discipline. And guess what? The whole purpose of church discipline, unlike some people uh, believe, the whole purpose of church discipline is to restore, not to exclude, and which is, amazing, is just pretty neat. Uh, read with me 2 Corinthians 2, verse 7. This one fellow had... Uh, he said, you know what? I messed up. It's the one that they had to, were taking church action against. It's the one described in 1 Corinthians 5. And guess what he did? After the prayers of God's people, it worked. He got restored. But did you know there were some people in the church who wouldn't forgive? There were people in the church who wouldn't let go of the past, who wouldn't give this guy a second chance. I'll tell you what, or maybe it was his 15th chance. Who knows? He done messed up so many times that they weren't giving him another opportunity. But notice what Paul says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so that, contrarywise, you ought rather forgive him and comfort him lest perhaps one should have been swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. In other words, give him another chance. He's being overrun with people, trouncing him, running him down. He's being overrun with over... He's going through grief. And then it says in verse 8, Wherefore I beg of you, beseech, beg, same thing, that you would confirm your love toward him. And to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. In other words, listen, I started, I know y'all, y'all got to give this guy another chance because guess what? Unforgiveness and bitterness will tear a marriage apart and will tear a family apart and will tear a church apart. And Paul was saying, don't, don't fall for it. Don't fall for bitterness. Don't fall for unforgiveness. Don't stop loving people because guess what? One of the things I've talked to my dad about this, he went through this as a, uh, he talked, I remember 1987, whenever he had to, uh, him and a suspect had a wrestling match. This suspect was trying to kill my dad, and he yanked that 357 Magnum out of my dad's holster. And he was wrestling around on the ground. This fellow had, him and my dad had had run-ins before, and uh, he was turning that 357 Magnum and squeezing the trigger, and he was about to blow my dad's heads off, my dad's head off. And he, dad took that barrel, and he was wrestling around, and that. That thing went back around, and it was stuck up under that fellow's arm, and it went off. That was the end of that fellow's life. And Dad was talking about going through that, and he, and he was in the state of Texas and DPS. Whenever you have a, a killing, whether justified or unjustified or whatever, your mandatory 30 days suspension just so you can go through counseling get help make sure you're okay 
And of course, they, you know, justified and all that. Dad was sharing with me everything that he had been through. And he, while he was talking with me about that experience, and he was trying to wade through his feelings, that was in 1987. Dad didn't get saved until 1997, 20 years later. And one of the things that he described was this. He said, I've also struggled with a very critical spirit. At that time, he had been married for 10 years to my, still my current stepmom, Judy. And uh, he said, being a police officer, a lot of times you get caught in a trap where you think everybody is guilty and everybody's up to something and everybody has something to hide. And you see, and, and it's, a, it's a trap. And you see, when you've been burnt and lied to time after time after time after time, you just, you just go ahead and label everybody. You do. <laughs> and you put everybody in the same box. And he had fallen into that trap. But the thing is, he recognized it. And he realized what he was doing. And it, it was affecting his life and his family. It was affecting his relationship with others. This unforgiving spirit had affected this church. And notice what Paul's doing here. Notice what Paul's doing. He's talking about what? Forgiving this guy. And you're, you're just, because he's messed up so many times, you just put him in a box. You said he's unforgivable. He'll do it again. He'll hurt you again. I'm not forgiving this guy. Another chance, another opportunity. That's why it says what it did in verse 9. And then in verse 10 it says, To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. In other words, give him another chance. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it for your sakes, forgave it I in the person of Christ. In other words, you've got to do like he did. And notice this. Verse 11 is our key. Because if Satan can do this to a, a, a marriage, a family, or a church, in other words, he's saying... If you fall into the trap of unforgiveness and hanging on to bitterness, it says this, what? Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. What is the context? What is the passage about trying to forgive a church member? He says Satan behind every bit of it. Satan sneaks in. He sneaks into a marriage. He sneaks into a church. And he always comes on a piece of baggage. And there's a bunch of different kinds. Unforgiveness. Distrust. Dislike. Critical spirit. One of his biggest pieces of baggage is called discouragement. If he can get you to hang on to that. And the word devices just means his, by the way, it's kind of interesting, it means intellect, mind, or thinking. So we are not ignorant of his thinking, of his mind, of his, what he's after, his intellect. Well, Jesus, he knew all this, and he started the, uh, when he started the very first church, and before he left... 
before he was crucified, he had this, it's called the Lord's Prayer. And you think, in our Father which art in it, no, 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 that's the model prayer. The Lord's Prayer is found in John 17. And I want you to turn there. So Jesus is bowed down and he's praying. Because if you look at John 17, 1, it says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. So which means this, he's praying. How's he praying? Just like he taught his disciples, our Father who art in heaven. Guess what he's saying here? Father, okay, here we go. But here's this prayer that I want to point out. This is a long prayer. It goes all the way to the end of the chapter. That's why it's the Lord's Prayer. It's not the model prayer. That's different. John seventeen fifteen. He's praying for you and me. And he says what? I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from evil. The, you know, a lot of times whenever the devil gets after people, I say, hey, the devil's behind the TV, the Internet, and the smartphones, and he's behind this. Throw it all out. No, 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 no. He, yeah, there's, sure, we could throw everything out and live in a cave. But did you know, according to this prayer, we're not supposed to live in a cave? What is it? We're supposed to be in this world, but he says, while they're in it, protect them from what? From the evil one. Notice it says from the evil, and it just means the evil one, the evil person. Because verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And then it says, if you want to be protected, you got to do verse 17. So verse 17 is like your force field. Verse 17 is like your, your protective cloak that you have over you. And you know what it's called? The Word of God. You've got to wear it. You've got to eat it. You've got to breathe it. Remember when he told uh, Ezekiel the prophet, what did he say? Take this scroll and eat it. You want to be protected. God doesn't want you to, to live like a hermit. But you better be on the lookout. Or there's somebody that's sneaking around the bush. And he wants to lurch out at your family and lurch out at our church. And verse 18 says this. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I sent them into a cave. No, it doesn't say that, does it? We're not to live in a cave. We're supposed to, you know, uh, been, of course, Tuesday is election and the biggie and hopefully you've already absentee voted. If not, please vote before Ms. Geraldine said they got absentee voting uh, tomorrow. And if you can't, you got one last shot Tuesday, let your voice be heard. Don't have the attitude. It doesn't amount to a hill of beans. My vote doesn't count. Well, folks, let us be like Daniel. We're living in the world. Let our voice be heard. Don't roll over and say, okay, I give up because he didn't send us into the world to give up. But to let our voice be heard, to stand up for truth, to say, if I live my life, let my life be lived by this. And if I shine a light, let this be the light the world sees. You see, and you, what is the moon? Just a reflection of the what? The sun? Let you and I be the reflection of the Son of God. Let us be the reflection of Him. And uh, so that is so powerful. You know, you could run, hide, do all these things. <clears throat> well, Satan's after us. One last point. 
Y'all are doing awesome. Hebrews 11. While I'm living my life and I see different things happening, all sorts of stuff after us, this is a neat example. Uh, we're making plans right now. Uh, we've got all these plans. My sister Dana, I don't get to see her that often. And uh, <clears throat> uh, for Thanksgiving, we're going to go up north and we're going to have a mom and uh, my stepdad, Garvis. Uh, they, they rented us a, a place to stay up there. I'm going to stay up there at Branson uh, for Thanksgiving. And uh, we got a big uh, deal lined up. We're all buying tickets. You know, we've all seen these uh, shows, uh, uh, Jonah and Noah and Joseph. That, that's, a light, that, that's a neat theater, by the way, if you've never been up there to see those light and sound theater. Really cool. Uh, we haven't seen Jonah, so we're going to see Jonah, and we're, it's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, so we're all excited about going up there. But the, the story, to my favorite, has been Noah. I haven't seen Jonah, so it might be, but uh, Noah is just neat, and just a neat uh, rendition of it. This is about Noah, Hebrews 11 and verse 7. And it says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not yet seen. Nobody had seen a drop of rain, had they? <laughs> Nobody had seen a drop of rain. Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Stop right there. What does it say? He prepared an ark to the saving. I want everybody in here, I don't care if you're the man of the house, the wife of the house, the mom of the house, the grandparent, you can prepare an ark and save your family. And all it is is saying, I'm, I want to show Jesus to my family. And when you show Jesus and this word to your family, you're building an ark of protection for your family. You're actually, that's what you're doing. It's a spiritual ark. When you stand up for truth and you show love to your family, the same love you show to everybody else, and you're building an ark of protection. And guess what that ark did? And for Noah, it saved him and his family. And guess what your ark can do? Your, what kind of ark? It's a spiritual. You're basically saying, I'm the person held responsible. And I've got to build an ark of protection. What does it say right there? That ark of protection saved his life and his family's life. And it's up to you to do the same thing. Y'all know the wiles of the devil. He's out there. He wants to take us out, and He wants to sneak in on your life. He'll sneak in on the boat of forget, unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, animosity. And remember my big one that I said, discouragement. As we prepare for Him invitation, let's all bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, as we bow our head before You tonight, we're asking that Your Holy Spirit would be in control. Whatever You want us to do, help us to be willing and that we would listen to what you are leading us to do and dear lord that you would just protect our church protect our families protect our home um, dear lord to to protect those that may be falling in the trap of discouragement that may be falling into the trap of listening to the world because we're not of this world we live in it we represent you in it, but dear Lord, help us not to adopt the world's ways or the world's mentality. 
Help us to lean on your holy word to be sanctified or set apart by what your word says. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.